Welcome to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by Romina Betsin from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament produced at the community radio station 3CR. Today I will speak about Hong Kong and United States and climate change. People often ask and hint at the similarities between the Hong Kong protests and the French Yellow Vests. The Hong Kong protest started on 31st March and are approaching their 20th week. The Yellow Vests have celebrated last weekend their 40th week of protests. There is no comparison between the two movements, except they are protests, but for widely different reasons and serving widely different agendas. The Yellow Vests can in no way be associated with the Hong Kong protests, which are equal to US-funded colour revolutions. The Yellow Vest's leaders are fighting against the French government that stealing the legitimate income in the form of all sorts of taxes and keeps a minimum wage on which French families cannot survive. The Macron government is creating poverty by shifting the financial resources, the few that are left from the bottom to the top. That's what Yellow Vest's leaders are saying. They want a fundamental change in the French economic structure and the French leadership. All of this has nothing to do with the Washington-funded Hong Kong protests that are directed on Washington's behalf against the government of mainland China. The French Yellow Vests know what they are fighting for. The Hong Kong protesters, most of them, follow few leaders under false pretenses against their country, against Beijing. Many of the protesters are pro-Westerners. They sing the United States national anthem and wave the British flag, the flag of their colonialists. Funding to destabilize Hong Kong had already started in 1994, three years before the official handover of Hong Kong by the United Kingdom to the Beijing government. Way before the official date of returning Hong Kong in 1997 to the People's Republic of China, PRC, the US built up a network of fifth columnists in Hong Kong. Washington pours millions into creating unrest in Hong Kong. Similarly, as in Ukraine, when the U.S. State Department financed the preparation of the 2014 coup at least five years ahead at the tune of five billion U.S. dollars. According to Victoria Nolan's Deputy Secretary of State own admission, through NED, the National Endowment for Democracy. It is an extended arm of the CIA, receiving hundreds of millions of dollars from the State Department for their regime-changing activities around the world. In 1991, the Washington Post quoted a NED founder, Alan Weinstein, as saying, a lot of what we do today was done covertly 25 years ago by the CIA. The US will not let go, especially now that most people who have at least a limited understanding on 
how these Western manipulations work, comprehend and see for themselves who is spreading the unrests. Take the 22-year-old student and Western hero of the 2014 Umbrella Revolution, Joshua Wong, trained, programmed and funded by the United States Department. He is again a main player in the current protest movement. Wong is the underground boy for the local media tycoon, Jimmy Lay, who has spent millions of his own money in the 2014 Occupy Central protests, Umbrella Revolution. The oligarch uses his funds widely to finance protest leaders and protest groups. He also created his own national party with significant xenophobic connotations. Yet Mr. Lee is very close to the Trump administration and met along with many of his protest leaders with the United States envoy in Hong Kong, as well as with National Security Advisor John Bolton and other U.S. officials. On July 8, Mr. Jimmy Lee met U.S. Vice President Mike Pence at the White House. Lay has full support of the United States government to fire on and promote these protest groups. Yet, if asked, the protesters have no precise plan or strategy of what they want. The island is largely divided. By far, not all protesters want to separate from the mainland. They feel Chinese and express their disgust with Jimmy Lay's Radical anti-Beijing propaganda. They call him a traitor. The protests started with a controversial extradition law, which exists between most states in the United States, as well as between nations in Europe and to a large extent internationally. Therefore, this is nothing unusual. Yet, its importance was blown out of proportion by the Western media and by Mr. Lay's own local media to distort the picture. A minority, of course, would like their full independence from China, which is totally against the agreement signed between the UK and Beijing at the so-called 1997 handover. Recently, the US sent a couple of warships into China waters at Hong Kong. They had the nerve to ask Beijing to grant them the right to duck at Hong Kong Harbour. Beijing, of course, refused and warned Washington, do not meddle in our internal affairs. Of course, Washington has no intention to observe China's advice. They never do. The US-inspired and funded protests are destined to challenge the Hong Kong-China Sovereignty Clause, by mobilizing public opinion that wants full freedom, that is, independence from China. The 50 years of the usual abusive capitalist continuation would allow the imperialist US and UK to maintain economic control over Hong Kong and thereby use economic influence over the China. How wrong they were. In 1997, Hong Kong's GDP constituted 27% of the China's GDP. Today, that proportion shrunk to a mere 3%. China's rapidly growing level of development, especially the Belt and Road Initiative, 
which the West chose to literally ignore until about a year ago, which has become a vital threat to the U.S. corporate world. What the U.S. and U.K. and the rest of the West interested in is Hong Kong's special banking position in the world. Hong Kong has the most liberal banking laws, possibly worldwide, where illegal money transactions, money laundering, shady investments in the billions can be carried out and nobody watches. Maintaining Hong Kong as long as possible with this special nation status and using influence and control over China's financial markets is one of the Western goals. But China and other Eastern countries, plus Russia, India, Pakistan, have already largely detached or are in the process of detaching from the dollar economy and are members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, SCO. Let's face it, the SCO comprises about half of the world's population and controls about one-third of the globe's economic output. Therefore, the SCO members do no longer depend on the Western financial markets and monetary manipulations. In fact, Shanghai has in the last decades grown to become China's financial hub with way more importance for China than Hong Kong. To claim that the U.S. is not heavily involved in the events in Hong Kong is nonsense. It is obviously not by chance that the U.S.-sponsored Hong Kong agitator Joshua Wong gets published in the New York Times with a call for U.S. Congress action against China. American legislators are supposed to vote on a bill, the Human Rights and Democracy Act, that would give the President of the United States power to penalize Chinese officials who interfere in Hong Kong's affairs. The law could also allow the United States to revoke the special economic treatment that Hong Kong enjoys as separate from the mainland. Some of the frustration of the protesters comes from Beijing not having sent in mainland troops. For all their efforts and perceived self-sacrifice, many of them would rather face Chinese troops than Hong Kong police because the Hong Kong police, though considered evil or illegitimate by some in the city, are at least seen as doing their job by most foreign observers. But the presence of Chinese troops in the city, no matter what they do would immediately cause global condemnation while legitimizing and glorifying the local resistance movement universally. Tiananmen was, as we know, a CIA-led color revolution attempt set up within a background of general protests in which the United States regime change mastermind Jean Sharp was directly involved. The mostly falsely reported incident during which soldiers were lynched and protesters gunned down led to Western sanctions against China. Beijing is not going to fall for the same trick twice. The Hong Kong stuff is clearly a US instigated 
colour revolution, just like the umbrella movement in 2014. Climate strike. We are facing climate crisis and already hurting from the impacts of climate change. Yet we have elected a government that wants to allow for new coal, oil and gas projects that put all of us at risk. We need to act now to stay away from coal, oil and gas and to have 100% renewable energy for all. But it's going to take all of us working together to succeed. Students recognising the narrowness of their pre-election campaign demands are now calling for workers and adults to also go on strike to demand real action on climate change. Their demands are for 100% renewable power by 2030, no new coal and gas, and for public funding for a just transition to a low-carbon economy, including the creation of plentiful, well-paying climate jobs. Historically, political and general strikes have played an exclusive role in the working class making rapid and lasting gains. We all have a responsibility to play an active role in broadening the climate strikes to mobilise the working class to win new victories under the present conditions of climate crisis, high unemployment, low wages and growing widespread misery. The need for action is now if we are to prevent the worst-case scenario of climate change. As you may know, Australia has a National Wealth Fund, our future fund, of over $200 billion that is invested globally for the benefit of future generations of Australians. The collective wealth is designed to work for us, but currently our future fund is caught up in the industries we have long known are putting our survival at risk. Fossil fuel industries that extract and burn coal, oil and gas are rapidly pushing us to climate catastrophe. $200 billion is no small amount and it is invested in all our names. If we all join together and demand a truly clean future fund that doesn't jeopardise our future, we can leave future Australians a legacy they deserve. Thank you for listening to Alternative News, brought to you from the community radio station 3CR. Our telephone number at Trades Hall is 9663-3677 and our email address is peacecentre at cicd.org.au. I'm Romina Betson, looking forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.